I was too scared to become a starving artist. And luckily I got fired. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Crafts and People podcast. I'm Daria Sukharchuk, journalist from Berlin. And in this series, I'll talk to people who took a big, brave step in their lives and left their regular office jobs to work as craftsmen. I decided to make this series because I make my own jewelry, I'm a fan of vintage clothes and furniture, and I admire beautiful and made things. I also love talking to people, hearing their stories, and finding out exactly how they tick and how they make a living. Yes, in this podcast, we'll talk about money and try to be as honest as possible. And for the first episode, I've talked with Annalisa Repo, who went from being a chief editor of women's magazine in her native Estonia to a woodworker here in Germany, making furniture, jewelry, and teaching other women how to work with wood. We met with Annalisa two weeks before the coronavirus outbreak reached Germany, and that's why our personal meeting was possible. I should remind you, however, that under the circumstances, social distancing is highly recommended. Okay, so we are in uh, my living room with Annalisa, a journalist from Estonia who turned woodworker. Exactly. And we're in my living room because normally you teach women woodworking. Exactly. In their own, in their own environment or at um, co-working spaces like or community houses. Uh, because my idea is that... Uh, you can start woodworking, DIY woodworking. I'm not talking about carpentry. I'm talking about handling a drill, a planer, um, making simple stuff, you know. Can you tell how you arrived to be a woodworker from a journalist? This is a really stark change. I have always dreamed about becoming a business owner, as long as I remember myself. Uh, I think I, I was five when I, when I read a book. It was like uh, learning letters and uh, there was a picture uh, of um, a workshop it was not woodworking workshop it was something like making clothes or something but it was handmade business obviously and I remember me watching this picture and thinking that oh my god it would be amazing to have my own team and I forgot this dream and when I got big uh, <laughs> when I got grown up I I really I, I have always been very creative and I went to art school and I I've always been busy with drawing and painting and I have enjoyed it a lot but um, I was too scared to become a, uh, a starving artist and money is very important to me has always been <laughs> and I come from uh, a, f a former Soviet country uh, I grew up with my grandmother and my great-grandmother who both had experiences from war and starving. And my biggest fear was to become a starving artist. So I knew immediately that I have to find a job that pays all of the bills and, uh, and I will never be starving. As you can see, I'm not starving. <laughs> I started uh, as a reporter at the Estonian Daily Newspaper where I was working for a few years, I don't. I still had this idea that I should earn more money, and journalists, especially reporters, don't earn much money. So I started to climb in my, in my career, how do you say that, career ladder, <laughs> and, and then I become a deputy editor of of a women magazine, and eventually also of Cosmopolitan. And it was quite interesting, but I never felt satisfaction. I never felt that, oh, yes, this is it. I want to do it. I always felt this, okay, there must be something better. And I knew that, okay, when I'm a, an editor-in-chief, then I would be happy because it is creative. And I also have decent salary then. 
And that was my goal, to become uh, an editor-in-chief, which I eventually became in 10 years. And it was a women magazine, not Cosmopolitan, another women magazine. And I still remember this feeling that, oh no, if this, if this is my dream, then it's a shitty dream, that this is not what I want to do. And luckily I got fired. <laughs> what a coincidence. What a coincidence, yeah. And that was really, really good. Although my, my family doctor wanted to subscribe me like a very strong antidepressants or something because he, she thought that I must be like devastated that I'm fired. But I was not devastated. I just found love. My former uh, life partner uh, was a carpenter, coincidentally. And um, it was really, really nice spring and summer that we spent together because I, I was free. Um, I didn't have to go to work. <laughs> and, and when you get fired from um, um, a good position, then you also get compensations and you get time to think about your life. And I knew that now I have only two opportunities, two choices. I get this job back or I choose a totally new path. So tell me how you started uh, working with wood. Did your boyfriend teach it to you from scratch? Now, um, the thing is that um, uh, my boyfriend is a feminist. And he was the one who told me that take a drill and, uh, and start working. I was the one who thought that, oh, my boyfriend is a carpenter. Now I don't have to do anything anymore. <laughs> like, uh, he, can do, he can build everything. And he was like... No, <laughs> you can do it yourself too. Of course, at first he also did some some furniture for me. He built some furniture for me, but uh, but he w was always like encouraging me to to start working because you don't have to be a man. You don't have to be a guy to do it. And I still remember that I had dreams uh, about like me painting again or doing something creative, but I was so afraid that it is not good enough, you know, that I'm going to be bad and I'm not going to be original or somebody is going to tell me that it's, it's uh, what are you doing? So this is why I didn't want to do it. But when I worked as a journalist, then, you know, there, were, there are always like uh, more people in, uh, working on one text. I was writing journalists and there are always like editors and language correctors and so I knew that even if I'm not good it eventually will be good but exactly the same goes with uh, working with your hands also selling everything you just start doing you just start trusting yourself that it is okay even if it's not good then eventually it will be good I start doing it every day I, I make a commitment with myself that I will do it even though it might be not be good. And I have to trust that it's okay to be, to be average sometimes and not like perfect every time. What was the first thing you made yourself? Uh, the first thing I still remember, it was a knife. It was the entire knife made of wood? Yeah, it was a butter knife, you know. Oh. It's a piece of wood and then all of a sudden it's, it's a knife. So it was feeling like, oh my God, it's so much easier than I thought. And then I tried to make a spoon and, and all of a sudden I realized actually I can't do anything. You mentioned that you make jewelry uh, and you also make furniture or, or what do you... I design furniture. I make uh, 3D bustle furniture, which is like uh, we took 
the elements of Japanese woodworking. And the Japanese woodworking is woodworking without carpentry, without screws or glue, which made furniture very sustainable and very durable. And uh, you mentioned another project you have. Uh, Wood Sisters. Mm. This is um, made for this uh, reason that uh, I noticed that there are more women who are like I used to be, who are like willing to do, but are hesitating to start uh, learning some DIY woodworking for some or another reason. And I started making Wood Sisters meetings. And I also have Facebook group for uh, Wood Sisters. We have like over 700 women there. There are not many women who woodwork. And uh, we should support each other. I have heard very often that uh, it's so much easier to come and ask how it works from a woman than uh, to go to a big woodworking studio would it is easier to come to a, another woman and ask for help and also like it is rather difficult to find somebody to to help you with handiworks uh it's very expensive it must be expensive of course but in many times it's easier and more affordable to learn it to do it yourself when you're some of your friends can do it and you can borrow tools and share the knowledge, you can build things together, then usually magic will start happening when, when girls start working together. For some reason, women hesitate to start learning to use the power tools. They think it's too dangerous, it's too complicated. For me, there is something empowering to have a big drill, which has a lot of power, you know. I don't have to drill for 50 minutes and then wait until it like wakes up again, you know. Or it goes too, like, too hot because it, hasn't, uh, it has no, not enough power. I like to have my good, high-quality, big drill. I know that I can drill through concrete walls and I, can, I know that I can do anything. There are no limits and that makes me feel so comfortable. Uh, so you make furniture and then you also make jewelry. My idea is that I want to use all uh, pieces of wood. I didn't want to throw away any piece of it. So that's why I started making my jewelry. Uh, and uh, for me, as someone who also, that one of the reasons why I like making jewelry is that it's something people can wear for a long time. It's something that becomes part of their personality. Every, it's a very different thing to me because you have to think about a human body when you make jewelry obviously and i think it's the same when you make everyday objects because it can be used by humans so you need to think about how to make it convenient mm. or you know so that it's actually usable mm. uh, i have read uh, several like business books and uh, how to design products so that people will buy them and and i think that a big mistakes in these books uh, what I have learned myself and what I would like to tell everybody who wants to start selling their handmade uh, products is that uh, there are so many people in the world, so many different tastes. So start doing something you like, you would wear and just start experimenting. And when you go to a handmade fair and nobody buys it, know that it 
can also be that uh, your jewelry is not bad. It can be just a coincidence that nobody buys it. That can be that uh, you forgot to smile <laughs> and nobody wants to buy anything from people who are m angry. My dream customer, I also have met her, uh, is somebody, she wrote me that uh, she made um, a sex change operation and she used to be a he and uh, it was like one year ago and then we met and I sold my jewelry and later she wrote me that I have been looking for right jewelry for a year now. I wanted to find something what I like and I also like the ma maker of it and now I have it all and I was like I was like almost crying like I mean, we grew up in the time of fast fashion uh, and um, fast fashion and IKEA and like mass produced things. Pretty much everything we own is produced like that. You have no idea who made it. Sometimes you don't even know where roughly on the, in the world this is, like which country. You don't always check where something is made. And uh, with the handcrafted stuff, you actually know mm -hmm. the person. Exactly. And also with uh, today's possibilities with uh, social media and online marketing, you can know uh, very well who has made it. And, uh, and the thing is that there are many people who want to know who has made the product. And this is why I think this is the time of handmade artists just take your phone make a selfie make a video be yourself show yourself be kind and let people find you and be patient because sometimes it takes half a year to find you you just have to learn how to do it. You have to learn the things. You have to learn about search engine optimization, also about marketing. Uh, also with our 3D puzzle furniture, we want to uh, teach people that you can, you can have furniture which lasts like forever and you don't have to throw away if some piece goes like uh, when it doesn't look at, as good as, as it used to. You can do things to to make it look good again. Yeah, like revarnish, for example. You can sand it and then you you can oil it again or whatever. Uh, it's very very easy actually. Mm, I might get too extreme <laughs> with my zero waste lifestyle because I find sometimes like rubbish. You know, people throw away their furniture. I think it's like abandoning furniture. Uh, you shouldn't do that because it's not uh, it's not good for our environment. What I do then, I go and I take it. <laughs> one day I remember that uh, uh, my daughter came from school and I was like, I found some really good shelves. <laughs> and, and I was like carrying this uh, to home and my daughter was, oh, hi, mom. And, and then she was like, you are taking it from the... And she was, mom, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> like, <laughs> you took it on the rubbish dump. Yeah, yeah, I took it. <laughs> it, it was like, it was not inside. It was like... Outside, as they usually do. They put yeah. it next to the bins, right? So, and yeah. but it, it has soul, you know. I can build from it something. Yeah. And uh, I can build something new from it. And I, it's such a... 
it's such a waste of material, you know. So we started talking about selling and things like that. So the important question is, are you able to actually make a living out of this? It depends on what is living for you. Um, yeah, when you... Yes, it is possible to pay the uh, taxes, to pay uh, to pay the pills. Yes, it is possible, but it takes time. And I wouldn't uh, recommend anybody to quit their job to start handmade jewelry business. I would rather recommend them to keep their day job and start uh, slowly trying because the handmade fairs are in the uh, usually in the weekends i started as i started because i i had no other choice and you can go, use your weekends for trying different markets it doesn't uh, it doesn't hurt that much and you don't need to take so big risks they say like uh, six months i would say a year <laughs> year of savings and uh, i have been very very careful with my costs i have i have downsized my lifestyle that i don't i don't own a car first it was like a, a decision to save money and now i have realized i don't want to own a car so oh, you sold your car i sold now? my car i use public transport and it was it i never have problem with parking places uh, i don't have to pay the taxes for owning a car i don't have to pay for gas It is a relief. So you live in Berlin and you rent an apartment with exactly. your boyfriend? Yeah, yeah, I rent my apartment. Uh, I have a daughter, so we, I, I, I must <laughs> pay the rent. I must buy for my daughter all the things what she needs. I must have a certain amount of money every month on my bank account. If I don't sell, uh, then I must take like some freelancing job. I also, uh, I still write that, but I write about... DIY. I still make uh, DIY articles for an Estonian magazine. If if one market goes very well and I sell in a day like for 500 euros, I'm not, not I'm not going to celebrate it. I put it away because another market will not go as good because it's a Murphy's law, you know. Uh, you you cannot be sure if you get your paycheck then uh, somebody's doing the job for you. Somebody's paying the taxes. Some, you have your social security. You have everything. But if you are on your own, then you it's like taking full responsibility. It's like becoming an adult. Super adult, I should say. Super adult, yeah. <laughs> And uh, sometimes it may happen that you make mistakes. Like I booked a, a fair and that was super expensive. It was like 500 euros. Uh, and I I was planning to sell a lot, but actually I sold like only for 30 euros and it was like 500 euros minus for me. And you make such mistakes and you feel really bad of it, but uh, this is life. Yeah. So you just have to make a note for yourself that, okay, this don't sell fair. on expensive markets. <laughs> It looks really fancy. People come to look fancy things they don't buy. It can also be like this. I have heard it for other people too, that this is for showing your stuff, not for selling. And my business is right now not in this position to show I must make sales. So you need to find your niche in the market. that like Exactly. You need to find your markets where you sell I have had experience with like a small pop-up market. Uh, 
during Christmas. Uh, it was in Dresden. It was outside the center. And the table was 10 euros. And I sold for 300 euros in one day. And like this. So it, it can happen like this. And again, you are not going to celebrate it. You are going to put it away. And you can always go back to uh, take a job, you know. This is always an option. If you have done it once, you can do it again. That was it for the first edition of Crafts and People. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I will be back with another story in two weeks. And meanwhile, you can find this podcast on Facebook and on Steady, which is this really cool platform to sponsor your favorite independent media, like this podcast. You can find all the links in the description, and you can also reach me by email at craftsandpeople at gmx.de. I'm happy to hear from you. And of course, subscribe, leave your comments in your podcast app of choice, and recommend this podcast to your friends. Goodbye, and I hope you and your family are staying safe these days. This podcast was written and produced by me, Darius Sukharchuk. Special thanks to Nikolai Shabanov, who wrote this jingle, and of course to Bayer Radio, the Berlin podcasting studio that has published this podcast and also taught me how to make one. Make sure to check their other podcasts, they're really great. 